Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. By the way, for a more interactive experience, listen to this podcast on an app called Entail. E-N-T-A-L-E. Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm absolutely fine, but I can't remember anything at all, ever, anymore. And so I put reminders on my phone and they beep at me all day going, remember, you know, honey or whatever. And then most of the time I can't remember what the reminder is for because it will be a sort of string of words. And unless I literally write out a paragraph that says, you must remember to call your mother about the tickets for the... If I just write tickets, I'll be like, fuck. Anyway. It's an absolute mystery. Also, every time the phone pings, it's a bit like that woman in Catherine Tate. Do you remember when the phone rang, she would scream? When yes. anything happened, she would scream. Yeah. If my phone makes a noise, I, they, I, I utter an inner scream. Yeah, absolutely. And then start leaking from various orifices. Leaking Not panic. You, leaking, <laughs> panic. <laughs> leaking panic. <laughs> I know, oh, like the Titanic. Oh, God. Um, hello, I'm Annabelle, and I'm absolutely fine. But... Um, I've got real social imposter syndrome today. I don't really get it professionally, but I really get it personally. I went to a lunch yesterday and I got there late and I was a bit off. And I know I was. And there are people I didn't know very well, but I quite wanted to like me. And um, I pulled nothing off at all, probably quite the reverse. So now I want to somehow organise another lunch where I can be marvellous. But I know that I mustn't do that, because if I do that, I'll be even weirder. And then it'll be an absolute disaster. With all exactly the same people. Obviously the same, <laughs> same place, same Terrifying. menu. I, I know, I hate that. Oh, that social that thing when you feel like you weren't your best self and you wanted to be oof anyway. but I'm reassured this afternoon because you would be hard pressed to find anyone who knows more about women than Josh Wood probably the most famous hair colorist in the world he's been watching women look at themselves in the mirror for longer than any of us care to remember and he's been talking to women about how they feel about their ever-evolving faces, bodies and selves for just as long. Now the owner of the most exclusive salon in London, Josh has democratised his power and wisdom with a game-changing at-home colour system, which I, for one, have come to rely on. Josh, how are you? Hi, I'm Josh. <laughs> I'm totally fine. But working as a freelance, which I do, um, I've been on the precipice of getting on a train to go to Paris to work um, in the fashion world, um, probably since Friday, with the cut-off point being a 6am train tomorrow morning to Paris. What, you mean the trains have been booked in they've, every few hours since Friday? They haven't been booked in, but I've v virtually been on tenterhooks with a small bag packed and passport in my <coughs> jacket pocket to find out that I'm not actually going on the 6am train tomorrow morning at all. My team are going, but unfortunately, they don't want me. <laughs> Have you still got your passport? Passport's in the bag. Oh my god! Underpants are in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> Everything ready to go. It's you like a birth, like a hospital bag, but not. It's a Paris Actually, bag. Actually, uh, yes, aptly having a hair person here. When I packed my hospital bag to go in and have my baby, um, my child's father looked at it and, and peeking out was an enormous, the biggest you can get tin of Elnet <laughs> to go to hospital. And he said, "What exactly are you planning?" And I said, "Have you ever met me?" <laughs> I mean, that's nothing. The uh, Elnet poking out. I mean, we've been in situations where we've nipped in straight away birth baby lifted out baby on the side hairdresser in quick judge before the photographs are taken You're, oh really but this is judge yes. king no I mean, I mean if you are wanting at one of those moments to uh, maybe look as great as you're <laughs> feeling emotionally. That's generous. You want to immortalise yes. your postpartum, immediate postpartum situation. With a great hairdo. 
I mean, it is odd when you get one of those photographs going round and some dutiful husband, usually your boyfriend, sends you a picture saying, oh, you know, little Twinkie was born at 3 a.m. And then there's sort of Cindy Crawford, <laughs> circa 1990, yeah. with a full manicure, full eyelashes, fake tan and the blowy. Holding this little worm. I mean, I you know, well you done to, them, I think. Yeah, if you have to keep your end up at all, your side of the bar or whatever at all times, then I'm sure, like, people, you probably had to do the hair for people's passport pictures and things like that, yeah, you know, where I they mean, sort of want glam always. Dare I say, I think that there's, a, there's real, a real oil and water scenario with that at the moment, because I think social media, you're either in the camp of you've always got the lashes on and you are always absolutely Insta-ready or you're the other group which is much more kind of organic and earthy and you would never want anybody to think that in a actually really meaningful situation for you, emotionally meaningful, that the way you looked was prioritised over the the way you meant to feel. Sure. But we definitely, definitely get the, you know, the the almost, can we get the lighting engineer in because I've... <laughs> I've just recovered from flu and I'm back on Instagram scenario. Do you have, have, um, have colour trends shifted? And I don't mean like, you know, this this season it's going to be blue on the catwalk for Dior. I mean just in terms of, of the impression that women want to give in terms of polish or finish or... I think there's a, there's a real... Um, and this is where I think social media has, has really been helpful. I think there's a lot of barriers being broken down by the way that, you know, it, you can have pink hair and be 60. Mm. Um, you know, if it's done in a very tasteful, kind of elegant way. So I think the way that maybe magazines looked at um, carving up trends and what they meant, it was always driven by the demographic of person that was going to be reading the piece. So in your 20s, you wear festival plaits and glitter and you may have unicorn hair. Yeah. Where I think those trends have had to become so much more broader um, as social media talks to everybody and anybody. Mm. So I, I think in some ways trends have become, I mean, they're much more diluted um, and they're not necessarily top-down driven. It can be quite what's happening on the street yeah. or what's happening in a different environment. But I still think um, people are looking to... I don't think people are looking to look like they've adopted a trend, but they're certainly looking to look contemporary. Well, yeah. I think the big word that we always use is relevance. Yes. And that's that's that becomes the sort of non-shaming way to still feel visible mm -hmm. when you get yeah. to, depending on who you are, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, yeah. whenever that feeling hits. Yeah, you certainly don't want to feel irrelevant or that you're slipping into irrelevance. I feel yeah. that's a sort of... I guess my the way I have to interpret that, because obviously I have people coming and sitting in my chair and saying... You know, I've lost my job, I've got divorced, I have hit a brick wall, and I don't feel relevant. I have to interpret what that actually means. Without but, letting them do something insane. Yeah, and also as well, being, you know, I think you need an objective view to be to have relevance. It's all well and good saying, I want to have relevance, I want to be relevant. But it's how are you going to do it without, you know, tinting your hair black and looking like Morticia or yeah. going too blonde or... Whatever it is one's going to do, there's always a measure and a barometer of... So do you think, is it or isn't it your place, as it were, your role, to say you want to be relevant, what you're de basically you need a therapist, what you're dealing with is something much more existential than hair, or is it your job to take the way they're feeling and translate it into what's happening on their head? It's always been the same in a way that somebody will come and, you know, it used to be in the olden days everybody had a tear sheet of Elle McPherson. 
It was like, well... Who was your client, happily? Who well, is my yeah. client? But I mean, you know, I can work on the follicles. I can't do much else. <laughs> no. Interestingly, I think, you know, hairdressers, you are, um, you know, you kind of are all, there are like tribes of hairdressers. So I've always been the kind of you know, slightly more pulled back, maybe slightly more contemporary looking. You know, if, if you want a hairdo that's, you know, waist length extensions bleached with a, with a fringe and big false eyelid, that's, I'm not that man, I'm not that look by nature. Um, but actually, you know, to, to go back to that idea that one has to interpret, I mean, I, I, I Relevant to me is too broad when I'm thinking how I can make somebody look the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And it generally is always about making them look contemporary. What happens when somebody comes to you, uh, a new client who you may really like and want to work with, who has waist length, bleach blonde, hair extensions and a fringe and the eyelashes, and you have to begin a journey? Well, sometimes they don't even get in the chair because there just isn't a natural fit. And if I love that. You take one look at them, they take one look at you. Oh, we're like, no, no, thank you. We're never going to get not married. Happened. Um, look, always, it's always, for me, it's always been a, it's a long-term relationship, a long-term journey. I've never been the kind of person, and there are hairdressers out there that'll be like, why have you done that? You can't do. I've, for me, it's about a process of evolution. If somebody's sitting with me and saying, I've ended up looking like this and it doesn't look like me and I don't want to look like this, slowly but surely will evolve that look. I remember ending I, up blonde. I didn't mean to be blonde. Just the highlights went solid and suddenly I was blonde and I didn't identify with that at all. And yet there I was. It's also, as well, it's important to remember that it's not the people that you know need a make under. So taking the extensions out, taking the bleach out. It's also people that have got lost and end up in a no man's land of a beauty regime and in a hairstyle that is either, well, g- generally they fall into two camps. It's either maintenance, so it's dead easy to do. So they they forget about the way they look and they're more concentrated on ease and the other camp is somebody that's just been doing the same thing it's the blue eyeshadow scenario from the 70s they just keep doing the same thing over and over again it happens with fashion as well as people when they feel they were at their peak at their hottest at their most powerful they will keep wearing the same shape of jean or the same hair colour as you say or the same blue eyeshadow because but often you will get um, uh, uh, many of your clients I know uh, you'll get them in their 20s mm-hmm. and then they're still they're still with you when mm-hmm. they're hitting 50 mm-hmm. so you have to work through that kind of evolution which mm-hmm. sometimes isn't so easy so what happens when the first bit of grey appears and how do different women react and what do you suggest in terms of dealing with that or indeed at some point making the transition from a grey patch that will be covered to becoming a grey haired woman I think I think when you th- th- those are two very separate conversations. The first grey hairs that one sees, you try to do as little as possible for as long as possible. Yeah. Because when you really start to get into the kind of heavy colouring of grey hair, you're in it for life. Yeah. I mean, I'm I started going grey when I was 22. So and I'm now at a four to five week yeah. job with touch ups after two weeks, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Exactly. With with touch ups, keeping up, and I can never get the behind. The, the uh, thing is, I mean. You know, when I first started hairdressing th- nearly 30 years ago, there was a school of thought that if you had become a slave to the colour that you were using, i.e. having to touch up in a, a four to six week regrowth appointment, yeah. it's the wrong colour for you. Yeah. So that's a process of evolution. That's about looking contemporary. That's slightly changed today um, in the fact that 
people are handling maintenance in very, very different ways. I mean, that's why I've uh, formulated, you know, one of the best, what's certainly the best selling permanent hair coloring boots, because if you need to just do your parting, there should be a product out there that you can just smudge your parting away. Because yeah. it's just ridiculous to yeah. think that a working mother has, has the to time. Go. I mean, I have people that come every 10 days. Yeah, really? Yeah. I mean, wow. if, you're in, if you're in the public eye, yeah, you've got you're going to gonna be judged by yeah. the way that you look, which we all Oh judge. my God, do you remember when they spotted a single grey hair on Kate Middleton? Yeah. Well, Kate. Yeah. With a little grey sprout. <laughs> exactly, but it, exactly. it really wasn't anything to write home about, was no, it? But it, it really was wasn't. Do you ever notice the difference with women that when they go from sort of enjoying and reveling in the way they look to just dealing with the way they look? So there's, a, there's a big switch, and I mean, this is scientifically proven. The difference between a want appointment, a want to get a little balayage, a want to be a little bit glossier, to a need appointment, oh, yeah. I need to get my roots done. I need to get the dry air. I mean, it's and the latter like is much more joyless, isn't well, it? Well, emotionally, it becomes something very, very different. And I mean, I think you know, certainly, what I'm trying to do is say, whatever you're coloring your hair, for whatever reason, even if it is maintenance, have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. Don't let it just become this trudge. Another of, thing on the list. Yeah, another duty. Wasn't there some statistic that? maybe it's boots, that the colour aisle in boots was the most well-trodden with the least spend. Most dwell time. So, they, so what's happening is a load of traumatised women are walking up and down this aisle, picking things up, putting them down, thinking, is this for me, isn't this for me? Oh, God, I can't cope, and leaving. Mm-hmm. Whereas your system hopes to change that. We're breaking through showing that different people are using different products at different times. I mean, you know, we, we touched on what happens when you see the first few grey hairs. So as I said try not to colour, do low lights, use a vegetable colour, anything that doesn't put you into a high maintenance cycle. But when you're in the high maintenance cycle, I mean, that's where the real difficulty for most people starts. Because, you know, as you you quite rightly said, the idea of change is terrifying. And also the truth of the matter is no pain, no gain. You have to go through a little bit of a moment where you're like not 100% happy with what you're seeing in the mirror to be able to evolve into something yeah. else. And this is this happens and with all sorts of evolutions and changes, does it? Not necessarily to grey. It can happen from blonde that, to dark. That's the most difficult one. What? Okay, so how is that managed? How is that best managed? It depends how dark... The darker you are, the more difficult it is to go grey. That's why you see all these skillful ash blonde and ladies the, around. And also the longer period of time that that takes. I mean, really, you've got to start to let your colour that you're doing as a, as a base colour go a little bit lighter, two or three shades lighter, and then start to introduce a little bit of grey. Right. I, I mean, what happens in that scenario, and the reason that most people end up too dark is because they get natural fade or their hair goes orange or oxidises in the sun, and it's the only way to really relieve that oxidation is to go a bit darker, gets rid of the orange. And then you end up darker and darker and darker and darker. And then there's a moment where there's no going back. Mm. But I mean, you know, also as well, it's, you know, there's this real perception in in Western Europe and especially in England, you know, women of a certain age, oh, they've let themselves go. Mm. Isn't that awful? Awful. Awful. So judgmental. One of the many sort of terrible things about older women that is said, isn't it? The, The idea that you would somehow... flip a switch and that you just let everything collapse but I mean maybe you know maybe you know my mother's generation 70s that's what they did do I think they you know they coloured their hair up to a certain point and then that was it 
But what, what I'm saying is I think when people want to expose grey hair or start to wear a little bit of grey hair, you're still colouring your hair. You're just not into the four to six week routine. Mm. It's a different process and it's a different way of colouring your hair. But, you know, there is a way of making it look very dynamic and very with it. Um, but when you're used to colouring your hair, in theory, I think most people's eye identifies fully pigmented hair, coloured hair, as younger yeah. than transparent, non-pigmented yeah. hair. Do you think that will change? I sense that it is changing just through almost fashion-led yes. greyness. Yes, exactly. Not so through loads of people deciding to be political and let themselves go, but because there have been these choices of I these know, very these beautiful, prominent women. Mm. You're not so sure. Well, it's a bit like you said before, you know, just because we're going to see blue hair on the catwalk doesn't mean you're going to wear blue hair. I mean, if I was to say, in present company, grey is striking and it is beautiful and we are seeing it everywhere, go grey. I don't think you'd go grey. No, I have no plans to go grey. And we were saying no. earlier, neither of our mothers are grey. No, exactly. I think as well, when you're trying to adjust, I think because I'm 45, so lots of other things are changing at once, so it feels like quite a big deal to yeah. change every... You know what I mean? And it would it's going to be very, like, baby, baby yeah. steps. The, the, the thing is, I do think that's a key to what where we started the conversation is... That could be a way to look very contemporary yes. if one was brave enough. I mean, I must say I'm not brave enough. When I look in the mirror and I see I have a very small patch of grey above my right temple, but it's quite sort of fierce. And um, and when I see it, I, I immediately think that must not be seen. <laughs> Can you tell greyness and everything else aside when you have a woman sitting in your chair? Can you tell when she's in crisis? You know, quite often it's you know you can be I can be dealing with somebody that's really going through horrendous trauma mm. and and it comes out in in a in a behavior but more than that it's how they want to look mm. you know most people that don't feel good that feel terrible want to look completely different because it, they think that if they look different they won't feel the it's same the classic way. heartbreak haircut yeah, yeah. And do you discourage that or try to meet them halfway on that? Um, sometimes you've, you've got to like give them it knowing that they're, they're not going to want it, but yeah. always rounding it off by, oh, let's try it. And it, if it doesn't work, there's a million different ways. The thing with colour, you can always change. It's not like having a haircut that goes too short. Mm. You've got to always present hope and possibilities if you get the feeling that someone is trying to change their image to get out of a situation that they're in. Um, it's trust as well. Yeah. You know, the thing with colour is... You, if you are going to colour your hair, you want it to look like it's not coloured and it has to have continuity. Mm. Like, you know, you know that moment where you've gone and either your hairdresser's on holiday or something, and somebody puts the roots on and the, the minute the roots come off, you've got that orange tinge and yeah. you've got that thing. And it's not, you think, life stopped. Yeah. I've got fix it it's got I've got to keep this looking the same because yeah. it's one of the only things I've got control yes, over yes it, it, it makes me who I am yes and also if I make an appointment to see you um, and sometimes they'll say what, what's he doing and I say they say what will he be doing to your hair and I say well obviously ask him because I don't know it's none of my business <laughs> there is great relief and solace in handing bits of you over I agree and it's wonderful that because it's one thing less to panic about yeah I guess for me what, you know what I'm trying to what I've tried to build in my career you know coming from a very humble background is I'd, I've never wanted to have you know 
fame or celebrity status, but I've really worked hard to be regarded as an expert. Mm -hmm. And I think when people trust in what you think and the skills that you have to deliver that, then one maybe could perceive that you're an expert. There's a funny time, I think, in everyone's career, if they work really long and hard at something, they're good at something, when they something happens and you suddenly realise you know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> because until then, you assume you're Let winging it like everybody else. For me. Um, yes, no, you never feel that, do you? No, never. But um, but I definitely feel that with you, though, Josh, because I've, I've had hair fear all day. I'm like, oh, my God, it's I have to touch it. I might even, I brushed it like three <laughs> times today, which I is know, like compulsively a, brushing. More, yeah. But then, of course, just when, you know, you are established internationally as an expert and a luminary and an authority, you decide to go and do a completely different type of business because mm -hmm. your product, you've, so you've had salons for, for mm -hmm. years, famously Real Hair and now the Joshua, Joshua Detelier in West London. Um, but then you decide to, you know, because you're a maniac, to go and do a digital first product mm -hmm. range internationally, right? Yeah. So what sort of rocky riot road has that been? Well, I think, you know, I, I think when you're working in you know, a, a fast move, a fast paced moving business, or you're working in fashion or something that evolves and grows naturally as a business, it would feel very odd for me to be static. Right. Um, I've got that kind of brain anyway, I move very quickly. So it, it, it really struck me that, you know, I've, I've done one thing all my life, you know, from being 17, I've colored hair. And you know, to, 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 to work hard and get to the status where one could be perceived as an expert, I think it would be remiss of me not to democratise that experience. When you get a hair colour that really suits your skin tone and eye colour, for me, I've, see, I've, I've seen it a million times, it's a aha moment for most people. They feel amazing. Yeah. And what I want to do with Joshwood Colour and the brand through our digital platform, through our, our website, is help people find the right colour for them. Have a conversation. But also because there's so much shame yes. and panic around colour. Yeah. There really is either because you're going grey or because you've gone too bottle blonde and it's gone green or because you know it's making you look pale or red and ruddy and inflamed. Or, And, and the trouble is it's, it starts to feel, if you don't have a colourist that you really, really trust or if you can't afford a colourist at all, then it starts to feel like a, like a mountain that you just can't climb. Yes. So then you let yourself go. Yeah, but also it says quite a lot about how kind of, how, how punished women have been um, about their attitude to grey that it ends up being a supermarket purchase, mm -hmm. the cheapest that they can afford because, with you, because you're not worth box, it. Because you're not worth it, but you still got to do it. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I agree, why not make it Where's a pleasure? The fun in that? Where's the fun in that? Am I right in thinking that, for example, 45 year old hair in terms of colour and style is not what it was? Put it this way, when I was 18, I thought you had to cut your hair mm -hmm. at 30. I mean, look, <laughs> I thought it was unseemly to have long hair when you were over 30, because I think that's what people thought. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are slightly here sat in Kensington in our little, you know, KNC bubble. I mean, when I travel throughout England and I do a lot, I'm going to Edinburgh next week, there is still very much. It's not about age, In I find. It's about what a woman can cope with, what's on the list of the to do's and the, what has to drop off. Yeah. So if actually wearing a slightly shorter hairstyle that's easier to blow dry and you're blow drying it yourself, it's not like you're going to a salon to have it blow dried. And a colour that can't, that doesn't grow out so it looks like you've got a badger stripe. Sometimes those choices are made because it's the easiest thing to fit into the routine. Mm. What I'm saying is, let's make it easy. 
Let's make it so it doesn't complicate your life, but let's not let go of the fact that it has to suit you. Mm. And, it, you know, it has to add something to the way that you feel. You know, I mean, I really believe that hair colour is such an important part of our well-being. Because when we look in the mirror, you know, we talked about the mirror at the beginning. When yeah. people look in the mirror, I can see how happy people feel when they have a, a hair colour that, that, you know, really, really suits them. I like that. So basically what you're saying is ideally you and colour should and could live in the Venn diagram where easy meets happy. Yes. I think things can be easy, mm. but they, you know, they should never just be easy without a consideration being taken about does it suit me? You know, you, you know, does it is it making my skin tone look good? Do you know, is it does it make me feel sexy? I think these are all elements that can really still fit into easy. Yes, it's not going to be the complicated hairdos that we see in magazines that, you know, that people have laboured over for a long period of time. But there are elements of all of that that can be dialed up in some for somebody and in somebody's beauty regime that finds that part of their beauty regime a real bloody chore. Mm. One more thing that I've got to think about. I'll tell you what I find a real bloody chore is the idea of exfoliating my body. I look at the scrubs <laughs> lined up. I look at the gloves lined up. I do my face all the time. But the idea of getting all that grainy stuff or those scratchy gloves or that stupid dry body brush, that's the thing that I swerve. It's really interesting, actually, all the, the things. That, so I, for me, pedicure means I have my shit together. Mm. My nails, my, ha my hand nails, my pedicure that nobody sees, by the way. Me too. Yeah. Whereas with my, with my nails, I'm like, ah, my, my hand it's nails. It's all the rustling. The rustling and rummaging, the yes. rummaging in the so handbags rips the cuticles, takes exactly. off the colour, the whole thing. So I'm like, does. that's fine. So Josh, how do you divide your time between being on the front line um, in your salon and growing this enormous, um, sort of Triffid-like digital business? You know, what's difficult for me, again, the negative of the new business is, it's really hard for me to, you know, the schedule meeting somebody, but I can't like do half a day, can't do the morning in the salon doing hair and then suddenly flip the top of my head off put a different kind of thought process in and go into the brand in the afternoon it's a very different animal it's a very different beast i think so i very i try to i try to very much compartmentalize my time in where i'm working what i'm doing and what the output of that is because if i go from you know being downstairs talking to you know i had a client last week who you know had a terrible terrible time she's she'd lost a child and I, you know that was I was being I knew I've known her I've kn I knew her before she had the child, oh, and we you know we would and then I can't suddenly go upstairs and start to talk to these girls about hair strands and you know the fact that we can't you know when you click on the web you know we click on the homepage we don't get the X. so you have to use your diary and your scheduling to protect yourself and other people because I do I work across lots of different interfaces and disciplines and my diary has to be almost crafted to protect me and those around me so that nobody basically gets hurt because if you are swinging between all sorts of different things and you get it a bit wrong it can be kind of bad yeah I mean also as well it's funny because we, we're going into our first corporate retreat this week <laughs> imagine that although it isn't it's not it's not a court it's just called the retreat but um I had to last week do this kind of biometric testing of like what my personality type is in the workforce and how I interact and work with others. And they're colour coded, so there are four quadrants. And I would imagine what you need is you need 
a fair a balance in percentage of each quadrant. So a bit of the blue, a bit of the red. Bit, probably a bit more towards a bluey-greeny kind of character, which is a bit more a, a people person. I was 78% red. Were you? Which What's means, red? like, leader, doesn't really think about anybody else, drives everything forward. Narcissist, talks other psychopath. People, talks other people down, <laughs> never listens to anybody but else's Isn't that so weird? Because that's basically the flip side of what you do in your... As Josh Wood colorist, right? Yes, but... Uh, you see, the business, this new digital business is allowing the real evil you to come out. <laughs> You've had to be nice to boring women for 30 years. No. Now you get to be an absolute bastard. But I think, I think just <laughs> getting out of Barnsley, from the council flat in Barnsley to, you know, being here in, in West London... I think if I wouldn't have had that drive and that cut through and that like, yes, I mean I can have I, I can have equal measure of get out of my way elbows and I can have equal measure of sitting directly opposite somebody that's telling me something very personal to them that I'm totally focused on them. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's a similar. It's not as bipolar as one would think. I think it's quite a similar discipline. Which is when I'm in it, I'm in it seventy eight percent. Yeah. I'm not. 50% or 30% thinking oh should I have okay, I offended so the junior because I no. sent the cappuccino back because she said she didn't want hot chocolate on the top of it I don't care like get the right drink in front of the woman yeah. but with the business how have you um, protected yourself in terms of listen you're still in the salon you're still travelling a lot whether you're doing mm -hmm. shows or like crazy rich people um, and you have this big new international business how have you stopped yourself from getting exhausted burnt out cynical overwhelmed um, that used all of those used to be exactly the kind of um, emotions that I used to work on. There have been moments where I thought I'm drowning, but actually I've changed all of that. I actually look after myself first, mm. so I exercise a lot. I have got you know somebody amazing. Are you a five a.m. I'm up in the crack. Yeah, yeah. I've got somebody amazing that looks after my diary, so there's a lot of that taken away from me. Um, I don't know, I just think getting a bit older, I've realised... So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely in the position where, you know, Shrink once said to me years ago, you are the perfect human doing, not a human being. Mm. And I'm in the being, I've put myself in the being oh, phase of life rather than the phrase. doing. Because I've been doing, doing, doing and doing since I was 17. And actually the doing doesn't get me very far. It's the actually being present and being that I think gives me the biggest cut through to get to where I personally want to get through, get to. Which so is all why... that noise and running around and uh, no, I mean I still do it, but it's I can see really clearly you where glide. I value. You, go, you almost well, actually funny enough now that it's, it's sinister. Now I think no, I, I always say that I storm down the street rather than walk. But you almost glide into a room. You have got that quality, I think. Yeah, I don't mind sneaking in. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to be noticed too. Heavily. I started meditating. Great. I know. I mean, for years thinking, oh, no, that's for other people. And then realising that as I got madder and madder and more and more doing, 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 as you say. And then I saw this this medical expert who said, I'm not going to treat you unless you meditate every day. Mm -hmm. It is the difference between success and failure. Mm -hmm. And I'm just doing it yeah. every day. I'm really bad at it. It's really the weird. Yoga, the yoga, the Jiva Mukti yoga that I've done for years, I've, I now do different versions, but that taught me the value in even if it's only for five minutes quietening the mind a little bit mm. and I can't I'm not good at it because mm. I've got the voices and I've got the monkeys yeah. and I've got the thing and I've got the lists and, yeah. the, and I've, who are the monkeys my shrink calls it the lizard brain so I assume it's the it's the similar yeah, thing totally. so you've got monkeys I've got lizards chatter, 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 yeah, chatter. Yeah, yeah, okay. you haven't done this you shouldn't have done that you yes. are you can't okay. you're not good enough you've put too much weight on yeah you, you look old you look tired you did it you've got to do this you're going here 
and, yeah. and the monkeys were taking over about yeah. going to Paris because it was like I've got to go to Paris I've got to do this it, it's Virgil it's this I'm doing Louis Vuitton I've got to do it it will be this I've got to do that will it make me will it make will I be better will I be worse yeah and actually none of it matters no actually not one iota of it matters it's very and the interesting old me I would have been yeah. working from that perspective and when, you know, I'm actually not going tomorrow morning at six o'clock, which is actually pretty disruptive to my, let alone the team that have had to kind of clear the decks, do whatever they're going to do. It, it doesn't really matter that much to me now. It's, it's, I'm, there's another job around the corner and there'll be coutures coming and I know I'm booked to that. So there's none of that. I'm only as good as the last job I did. I'm sure. actually as good as the best way I can look after myself. And within that, it's the best way that I can drive what I want to do forward. So Couture is coming, Ready to Wear is coming, and on we go and on we go. How has um, Catwalk and Backstage and all of that stuff changed over the last few years? Again, I've had a very interesting um, kind of introduction to Backstage because when you have hair colour backstage it's another layer of complication that most hairdressers most session hairdressers don't want it's, it's hard enough getting the girls in the chair to have 10 minutes to put the bloody chignon in there it takes bloody ages otherwise yeah. so it's it's again on my side a great team that really understand that know to the second that when you start to take a girl's you know bleaching somebody's hair you know, we did we did 54 girls actual girls hair at Mark Jacobs last season and it's literally like a millet and we're, we're working 24-7 so you work all through the night but it, it's, it's down to organisation and you know me teaching the team you know when something goes wrong me coming in saying gone wrong but we'll fix it and it's not necessarily it's not necessarily somebody's hair going wrong because actually at our stage if you're getting somebody's hair wrong I mean you yeah, know, you shouldn't you're have not doing it well yeah. Yeah. It, it's more um, organisation than, than anything else yeah and, and so is it, is it different from the way it used to be? well the, I didn't you know it's only probably in the last I mean I, I assisted somebody that did all of that backstage stuff the blow drying and the but it's really only in the last 10 years that colour has been recognised in that environment. Because one always heard about famous cutters, but never yes. about famous colourists, right? Well, it wasn't an environment that was kind to trying to do a hair colour. I mean, you know, we go to places and we have no running water. We have to find running water. I mean, it's like primitive. You know, <laughs> we're either over the kitchen sink or, I mean, one time... What's we, this for? For a show in yeah, a weird location? Yeah. Or one time we were over like a... I mean, it, was, it wasn't quite a toilet... But it was like one of those like things that it's a sink, but it looks a bit like a toilet where the cleaners put their mops in to do their. <laughs> and we were there, like over you go, love. Da, da, da. Cold water. I mean, we have, you know, we try to make it as pleasant as we possibly can, but quite often, um, we are so low down the food chain of a of being considered in a fashion environment. Although quite often the hair colour can be the most impactful element. It's funny yeah. that, that you said Linda. that. What, what you've always said to me is that, because um, uh, it's very easy to get grand, isn't it, when people are paying you a lot of money and everybody knows your name. You've always said, I'm in service. Yeah. I've been in, this the only way. You're so damned to Abby. <laughs> it's the only way, really, to think of this very strange, highfalutin, crazy world I think if one I've seen a lot of my contemporaries get very caught up 
in all of that and I only travel this way and I don't do this and you know I'm very grateful for anybody that sits in my chair takes me to Paris to do somebody's hair colour goes into Boots and buys one of my colours one has to just have that level of understanding and I mean yeah you know I've got my requirements but ultimately at the end of the day for me it's always been about the creative if the creative's exciting if the creative's something that we want to be part of then there will always have to be compromise to be made if you want to be part of that creative yeah, yeah. if you're not if you don't want to be part of the creative totally fine you either don't do it because it's not enough money or you're doing it because you're going to make as much money as you can as quickly as totally. you can. Totally. It's yeah. never, ever been about that for me. It's always been about, is this a creative process that we're going to learn from, be excited by, should we be part of it? Which is why, Josh Wood, you are a genius and an expert. And we are very grateful you've been in our service today. So just thank you so much for yeah, coming thanks, on. Josh, Pleasure. So nice to talk to you. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Mid-Alt. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review and subscribe. And we'll just leave you with this thought. Never, ever give up on your hair. Hi, my name is Kay Adams. And to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process. So I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.